What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to Chapter 179 of the QAnon Anonymous Podcast, the Canadian Trucker Convoy episode. As always, we are your hosts, Julian Field, Dan Beckner, Liv Agar, and Travis View. By now, you're undoubtedly aware that Canada is a big fucking mess of honking, terrible EDM, and street hockey games. And that was before the trucker convoy. <laughs> uh, but to, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. The anti-vax vehicular fleet is continuing to wreak havoc in the Canadian capital, leading to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announcing the oh truck no state of emergency. <laughs> so this week we're setting out to cover this entire mess, and uh, with Jake still embroiled in wedding-related activities, we've called upon infamous Canadian Dan Beckner. Uh, he's the co-host of the Bottle Men podcast and uh, he's also in bands you might know, like Wolf Parade and Operators. Welcome to the show, Dan. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm currently uh, on assignment in uh, humid, uh, sunny uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. So. Which is a district of Ottawa. That's right. It's part of, the, uh, it's part of what they call Greater Ottawa. Um, a lot of people are gonna, on the internet are going to tell you New Orleans isn't part of Greater Ottawa. They're wrong. It's all one, all connected. I'd be excited if we got like a global trucker convoy movement, but they all were like, we're in Greater Ottawa. Like it's actually like a sovereignty movement that spreads Ottawa's limits uh, across the world. I'm operating on a, like a Morozovian missing time theory where um, the, Lu- <laughs> the Louisiana purchase never happened. And it's just a yeah. contiguous uh, zone of New France. God damn, that would have been so cool. You know how like libs call China like West Taiwan? Is that <laughs> like instead it's like Greater Ottawa? South, uh, it's South Gatineau. <laughs> yeah. So first up, we'll have Liv, who's going to bring us up to speed uh, on the Canadian trucker convoy and the bad vibes it's causing for the prime minister. We'll also hear from Tegan McLean, who's been spending time in the organizing channels for the truckers convoy in Canada, causing them quite a bit of grief as part of this thing uh, called the Ram Ranch Resistance. And then finally, Travis is going to tell us about the big Give, Send, Go hack, uh, which has shed some light on the people sponsoring the irate anti-vax truckers. And surprise, surprise, it looks like Americans are involved. So does this mean we're in for a proper Yankee convoy or even several of them? I guess we're going to find out. Folks, can I get a truck, yeah? Truck, yeah. Truck, yeah. The Canadian Trucker Convoy. Updated. The so-called Freedom Convoy has spilled outside of its home country of Canada and is now inspiring copycat efforts by many red-pilled, vaccine-hating people all across the Anglosphere. But unfortunately, the original convoy is still going strong. And since my last update a couple weeks ago, quite a bit has happened. Firstly, as I briefly noted in an edited segment from last episode on the subject, conservative leader Aaron O'Toole was overthrown as leader in a vote of no confidence on February 2nd. This is connected to the overall failure of the conservative party and O'Toole to actually reconcile the portion of their base who supported the trucker protests and to our likely fond of politicians like Trump and the traditional Tories who revile this group. The People's Party of Canada continues to become a source of pain for the conservatives and their ability to get this more radical Trumper base in line. What I didn't note in the previous episode is that this sort of thing has happened before. The current Conservative Party is actually a merger between the previously dominant progressive conservatives and the more right-wing populist Reform Party. The Reform Party of Canada is a lot like the PBC, insofar as it was formed because the dominant Conservative Party was not right-wing enough. In the 93 election, only five years after the Reform Party formed, 
the dominant Progressive Conservative Party went from 156 seats in Parliament, so a majority, to only two, with the Reform Party picking up 52 seats. And then the two parties would later merge together in order to not split the Conservative vote, with the more right-wing party having a great deal of leverage on this merger. Given that it's the worst possible case scenario, I think something similar will likely happen in relation to the far-right anti-vaccine mandate People's Party of Canada and the current Conservative Party, which is unable to please the more rabid right-wing portions of their voter base. But moving on from electoral politics, there are still thousands of Canadians resisting vaccine mandates by laying siege to the country's capital of Ottawa. This has been an incredibly unpleasant experience for those in Ottawa with these protesters having no care for those living in the city, blocking traffic on vital roads, and honking their horns well into the nighttime. As an example, he was an Ottawa citizen heckling convoy protesters from their balcony. You drove here to be part of a terrorist fucking insurrection piece of shit. Fuck you. Freedom. Freedom is walking down my fucking city. Fuck you. Hey, freedom is getting hell in my life. You don't fucking get it. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck off. Fuck you, man. There is no help for this guy. Let's go. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> fucking get lost, eh? <laughs> he fucking put he put both fingers up like that was pure Ricky. Hey, fuck you. It's amazing. Very accurate. <laughs> Very accurate representation of the rage people are feeling. <laughs> it's got a hashtag clown boy and go home flu trucks clan. Hell yes. I, it, yeah. We're just the hashtags are getting worse, folks. <laughs> I like the the flu trucks clan when I got to hand it to the libs. That's like that's like ironically good. Yeah, libs are learning how to meme, and it's making the right nervous. <laughs> yeah. uh, one reason this has continued for so long in you know the capital city of Canada, no less, is the lack of police response to the issue. As I pointed out before, any equivalent you know indigenous protests would have been forcefully cleared out long before the two or three week mark of occupying a major city. Counter-protesters, frustrated with the police's lack of response, have mobilized in a few spots to block the convoy. One example is what is being called by the media the Battle of Billings Bridge. Oh, gosh. It's a little dramatic. It's the BBB. Yeah. It's the Canadian <laughs> Build Back Better. <laughs> Where counter-protesters managed to block off a segment of the convoy as it was heading to a part of the Ottawa suburbs. The counter-protesters waited out the trapped segment of the convoy for more than six hours before negotiating the release of their vehicles, which came with the condition of stripping them of all the extra fuel the segment of the convoy was carrying. During the negotiations for this release, a counter-protester noted of how surprised many of those in the convoy were that so many local Ottawans were so extremely opposed to them staying in the city. One might be wondering that if frustrated citizens are able to spontaneously organize counter-protests that successfully derail parts of the convoy, then why can't the police? Another example of extreme police incompetence on the subject comes from the blockade between the Canada and U.S. borders in support of the convoy in southern Alberta that had been ongoing for 18 consecutive days, preventing any shipments from passing across a relatively vital artery between Canada and America. There's a viral video posted by a trucker of an exchange between the police and these blockaders from a few days ago, which shows the two sides shaking hands in a line, being friendly, and singing the Canadian national anthem. Yes. Just a simple grassroots working class uprising. 
Just the just <laughs> simple workers just getting together and speaking power to the state, you know, and the state clapping their hooves together along with them. I mean, just as a personal anecdote, like I, I was at a, a protest at the Israeli embassy last summer, and I mean, there were good numbers of, but compared to this, it was a tiny protest, and it took, I'd say, about 45 minutes before... Uh, the cops started just like lightly misting the crowd with pepper spray before getting screamed at, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of like um, manifesting as a police strike because police strikes, I, I feel like kind of manifest in, in ways that aren't the same as like a you know general organized labor strike. And, and I feel like that's definitely the case in Ottawa of just like, y- y- if you're a cop and you're just refusing to do and I am by no means pro-cop. I fucking hate the cops. But it's interesting to watch them refuse to do their uh, job to the point where, you know, their authority over the city is sort of uh, amplified. It's kind of a Praetorian Guard thing. And, you know, like classically, they immediately ask for more reinforcements, more money. This is why we need to dump more mm-hmm. money into the fucking police force. Yeah, it get, it actually gives them leverage to let it get a little out of control at least, right? I mean, it kind of makes sense politically. It's a flex, yeah. Yeah, I think it's very common for cops is they contribute to things getting bad and then say, look at how bad it is. Don't we need more? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> see what happens? You see what happens? <laughs> see what happens when we are not literally an army with a tank? Yeah. And it's like, well, actually, fuck, man. Can we all just play hockey games and, and like, dance in the streets? Because I'm not, like, against any of that part of it. I mean, see what happens. Yeah. They have fun. (laughs) I mean, they block commerce, which is the real issue to the majority of of ruling class people anyways over there. Yeah, yeah. As of yesterday, this blockade in southern Alberta has peacefully left after 18 days of preventing a relatively major artery of trade. The organizers of the convoy are not particularly happy about this, as is seen in a clip released a few days ago pleading directly to those in Alberta that just left their blockade. I have to ask all across the country, get to your borders, get to your cities, come to Ottawa, oh boy. and support all Canadians. Donc on demande à tout le monde à travers toutes les villes de, de partir de, de où ce que vous êtes et de venir vers Ottawa come on man this is like if a basque eta video had no swag <laughs> you say that but like is that you in the background in black dan that's like, you being may no may no <laughs> in alberta at coots i know there's people leaving please don't leave stand your ground there's help coming from the south Stand your ground, people, and stand up for your rights and freedoms. Thank you. Okay. So I've been following these two guys, like Pat King and his little sidekick on the left here with a freedom shirt. Mm -hmm. They are the fucking funniest. (laughs) Pat King is like the kind of Julian, and this freedom guy is like absolutely just the Ricky, and he's just constantly stoked about everything, Um, (laughs) but also like very, very not smart, uh, to the point where he makes Pat King seem like a mastermind. And Pat King is... A shambling mess from video to video. Uh, last video I saw before this one was Pat King kind of like, not threatening, but like just being like, hold the line. Like, we hear there was deals signed, but it's not true. You got to hold the line, you know? It's a false flag. Yeah. The Alberta protest is interesting because, uh, again, there was a, essentially like a, a private investigator infiltrated this group. 
And uh, his takeaway was pretty interesting. It was basically what we've been seeing with the rest of the protests, that it's being funded by, like, small business tyrants, like the guy that owns the <laughs> fucking, you know, concrete, the one concrete place in Red Deer, uh, and, and, like, small yes. independent trucking companies. There's not a lot of actual truckers being represented. But the other thing that was interesting is that this investigator realized that the protest organizers were shocked at how successful everything was. They were shocked at the lack of police <laughs> right. response. Um, I, I'm just reading from his uh, Globe interview. He said, the protesters are absolutely amazed that the police have taken, uh, haven't taken more enforcement action against them, particularly at the international border in Coates, Alberta. Um, they talked about uh, blocking cargo terminals at Canadian airports and uh, using children as human shields. <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is fucking amazing uh where is it uh this is this is a quote from one of the protesters we know there have been discussions around the table at the headquarters of uh our protest at smuggler saloon mothers have openly questioned how their children will react to being tear gassed and what effects <laughs> it will have on them <laughs> but the but, but uh. i gotta say the most and just briefly the most interesting thing about this is that one of the one of the prime drivers of this particular protest is a calgary pastor named tim stevens uh, and he addressed the blockaders. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read from the uh, video that the inve private investigator took. This was his address. Uh, he's addressing the protesters at the blockade, and he says, "The Bible likens the state when it is acting in an ungodly manner to a beast, and that beast seeks to devour everything." Uh, he exhorted them not to give in to the state or rely upon it for welfare, jobs, or education. We have all <laughs> forgotten as a country that freedoms are founded on the supremacy of God and the rule of law, and not just the rule of any law, but the rule of the law, the word of God. So that's upsetting to me. No, it's, it's very American. They're trying to do Sharia yeah. law. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A section of the protesters who left the blockade in Alberta will not be returning to their homes, though. Eleven of them were caught with a massive weapons cache, and supposedly a desire to use it against the Canadian state. Police reportedly seized 13 long guns, handguns, multiple sets of body armor, a machete, a large quantity of ammunition, and high-capacity magazines, many of which are, as far as I'm aware, explicitly illegal in Canada. Like, there, there are no provinces where you're allowed to have a fully automatic assault rifle, right? That spread sure. looked brand new, like not a shot fired. Mm -hmm. Like, it just looked like whoever, you know, purchased it, like, <laughs> went to, like, just an American gun store and is like, I'll have, like, 13 guns, please. The big ones. Yeah. I'll take the insurgency starter pack deal. <laughs> Following this and the clearing out of the Coots blockade, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, invoked the Emergencies Act, which grants police officers and the state special powers to deal with threats against it. Trudeau is specifically enacting a public order emergency, which, quote, arises from threats to the security of Canada and that is so serious as to be a national emergency. An example of things that this declaration allows the Canadian government to do is... Prohibiting people from taking part in a public assembly where it's considered a breach of peace. Regulating the use of certain property, including goods used in blockades. Designating secure and protected places and infrastructure that are critical to the economy, such as border crossings and airports. Authorizing financial institutions to essentially stop the financing efforts, including immediately freezing or suspending affiliated accounts without a court order. Imposing fines of up to $5,000 or imprisonment up to five years on those who breach any of the above orders. 
It, it, it does sound like they're kind of like, well, fuck, the, the police isn't doing shit. We need the feds and we need to be able to like tap into the private companies and just like cut off the money. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. otherwise this shit's not. And this is also kind of a shot across the bow of the police by Trudeau. He's like, listen, guys, I know you know how to split a skull, okay? Don't pretend <laughs> you don't know what to do. Exactly. Freeland is loving this, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you know who would also love it was her Nazi grandfather. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they they love court orders. <laughs> Emergency regulations. <laughs> the Deputy Prime Minister, Christia Freeland, noted in relation to the last point that as of today, a bank or other financial service provider will be able to immediately freeze or suspend the account of an individual or business affiliated with these illegal blockades without a court order. In doing so, they will be protected against civil liability. Freeland would go on to expand upon this point. We are announcing the following immediate actions. First, we are broadening the scope of Canada's anti-money laundering and terrorist financing rules so that they cover crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use. These changes cover all forms of transactions, including digital assets, such as cryptocurrencies. The illegal blockades have highlighted the fact that crowdfunding platforms and some of the payment service providers they use are not fully captured under the Proceeds of Crime and Terrorist Financing Act. Our banks and financial institutions are already obligated to report to the Financial Transactions and Reports Analysis Center of Canada, or FinTrack. As of today, all crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use must register with FinTrack and they must report large and suspicious transactions to FinTrack. Internal Magnitsky Act. <laughs> <laughs> she loves this shit. Of course. I mean, yeah, that's the, the whole idea here is like, we know who the bad guys are, so just trust that these laws will only apply to them. Yeah. It's like, oh, great. I'm sure that the different filters that you're going to put in place are totally logical and uh, aligned with my personal political uh, beliefs and grievances. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure no other, you know, indigenous blockades will have their bank accounts frozen, surely. Everything, everything, yeah. This is the beginning of... It feels like a, a lot of the governments, whether they're, like, supposedly left or right at this point, are just, you know, like, listen... The civil liberties stuff, like, is getting in the way, folks. Like, and just every two or three years, something happens, and they're like, we need less, less yeah, of them. But we're absolutely not doing authoritarian capitalism like our like our bad neighbor China or the, you know, we're not doing <laughs> you know, that. Yeah. Uh, just as an aside, Christy Freeland's voice is like anti-ASMR to me. It's, <laughs> it hurts me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One funny thing that did come out of that, though, is that the crypto community is not happy about the big government interference against uh, their way of life, should I call it. As one angry crypto Twitter poster noted, The Canadian government just woke up the Bitcoin bulls. You can't make this shit up. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can. No. You, actually, you, you absolutely can. can't make that You totally can yeah. make it up. Yeah. I do have to say it's always funny to hear that crypto guys get mad whenever a state uses its powers to do something that like they swore was impossible. <laughs> like, no, the point of crypto is that they can't do this and they do it. And it's like, oh, God damn it, Trudeau. Nevertheless. But beyond pissing off crypto people, the invoking of this act is quite a big deal, as this is the first time in Canadian history that any prime minister has invoked the Emergency Act since its creation in 1982. The predecessor to this act 
The War Measures Act was actually invoked by Trudeau Jr.'s father, Pierre Trudeau, against the FLQ in 1970, a Quebecois Marxist-Leninist group that was fighting for Quebecois independence. To put into context how serious this act was, the FLQ kidnapped and killed the deputy premier, I guess basically the governor of Quebec. They, they also kidnapped a British uh, ambassador um, and let him go eventually. And the two people responsible for kidnapping him would eventually uh, flee to Cuba. Oh, that rocks. And give birth to a son. <laughs> and that son and his family would return to Quebec, and the son <laughs> would become the prime QAnon uh, pusher in Quebec. God damn That's awesome. incredible. The, the uh, ideological endpoint of FLQ. <laughs> They're putting the Q in FLQ? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I, I was so convinced that you were leading us into a joke about Dustin Trudeau being Fidel Castro's son. No, this is all real and even better. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. I'm sort of confused as to why Trudeau invoked this act, especially this late, although there are multiple possible explanations for why he might have. The invoking of this act is firstly strange insofar as giving police more legal power is clearly not going to solve the problem, as they were already not using the power they had against the convoy in the first place. It's secondly strange because the blockade in Alberta was already over when Trudeau invoked it. The Canadian police had already arrested the 11 people possessing illegal weapons that they intended to use against the Canadian state, so what's the use of invoking the act now? I wonder what you all think, but there are three reasons, I think, why Trudeau invoked the Emergency Act now. Firstly, I think he wanted to make it look like he was actually doing something against the convoy. According to an Angus Reid poll, 72% of Canadians do not support the protests continuing and want them to go home. Trudeau hasn't done particularly much, or at least it's been perceived by the, the public that he hasn't. So he says, oh, I invoked this act, I've done something, I've, I've freezed all the funding, you know, all the people who don't support the protests, please support me. Secondly, I think Trudeau wants to declare the recently arrested protesters who had a massive amount of illegal weapons as terrorists. As far as I'm aware, he doesn't need to invoke this act to do so, although it becomes much easier when it's done. Canada has been moving to declare right-wing groups as terrorists in the past month otherwhere as well. So at the start of February, Canada declared three far-right organizations, including the Proud Boys, as domestic terrorist organizations. And you're wondering why Joe Biden hasn't done anything similar to this? Unlike America, Canada is able to designate domestic groups as terrorist organizations. So it's actually more draconian than America on this, funny enough. Which is a result of the FLQ, I believe. And thirdly, and most importantly, I think Trudeau wants the precedent of being able to invoke the Emergency Act and declaring those participating in blockades as terrorists so we can use this precedent on left-wing and indigenous organizers as well. According to that previously mentioned poll, 68% of Canadians are fine with Canada using police or military force against the convoy to clear them out, and it's likely most of them will be fine with Trudeau invoking this act. This is seemingly getting the Canadian public comfortable with Canada labeling those who participate in blockades as terrorists. If one is unfamiliar with Canadian politics, blockades on shipping routes within Canada have been a common and effective method of resistance against, for instance, the coastal gas link pipeline in northern British Columbia, which is being built unconstitutionally on unceded Wet'suwet'en territory. One instance that shows the direction of the invocation of this act, or where it's going, is the statement made by Premier, or basically Governor, of Ontario, Doug Ford, who, yes, is the brother of deceased former crack-smoking mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford. Doug Ford publicly agreed with Trudeau's invocation of the act, and he then said that Illegal blockades in Ontario and across Canada need to know that there are serious consequences for their actions. Now, considering that the blockades in Alberta are already gone, and they just, like, you know, walked away, it seems fairly obvious that Ford means, like, you know, Wet'suwet'en and left-wing and indigenous blockades. 
Canada is cracking down against the far right recently, but in doing so has very sharp aim on indigenous and left-wing organizers, who often employ similar overall strategies for making the voice heard, insofar as they blockade shipments across Canada as protest. <coughs> Editor's note, or yes, note from me, Liv, a few days after we finished recording what you've just heard, the story has once again developed too rapidly, and I have to update you all in between when this episode got recorded and when it got released. The police have now arrested over 100 people connected to the convoy in Ottawa, including key organizers to the protests like Pat King, who, in traditional boomer fashion, live-streamed his arrest on Facebook. What's that? For what? For mischief, counseling to commit the offense of mischief, counseling to commit the offense of obstruct police officer, and uh, counseling to commit the offense of disobey court order. So could you please step out of the vehicle, sir? Uh, I'd like to get my lawyer on the phone right away. Sir. I have the right to a lawyer. Of course you do. Yeah, so I'd like to call my lawyer presently at this moment in time. I to make sure everything's safe. Oh, you're safe, man, and you always have been. I really appreciate that. I don't know who your occupants are. I don't know what's in the vehicle. All our hands are free and clear. I have the opportunity right now. It all stays the same. I'm going to let you talk to that lawyer 100%. I need my lawyer to be at the ready because he's waiting to come. I know that's within your discussion. Now, can you just give me a night so, I'm being arrested by these officers right now. Uh, this officer here, they've cornered me, had me at the ready, and uh, I'm being arrested. We'll talk to you guys soon. Are you live? Yeah. It appears that the Emergency Act was finally the impetus for the Ottawa police to do what they would have done if this was a Black Lives Matter or Indigenous protest on day one, which is clear everything out and arrest people involved in it. The right has been having a field day with photos and videos with what's come out of people being arrested as a result of this. With the hashtags Canada has fallen and China does, one of them I saw, and other ridiculous things uh, trending at least on Canada on Twitter. Before his arrest, as police were sweeping the convoy and ending their occupation of large parts of downtown Ottawa, Pat King could be seen streaming his plea for anyone to help the convoy as it was being destroyed. We could really use your help, Ottawa. All the residents of Ottawa, we're begging for you. Those ones who stand behind us and stand with us, stand beside us. Come down and help. Help. SOS. Mayday, mayday, mayday. Break, break, break. SOS, whatever we gotta do. Yet despite comparisons from the right between convoy protesters and, you know, tank man, there have been no serious injuries as a result of the clearing of the Ottawa convoy protest, according to the police at least, although there has been a man arrested for harming one of the horses used by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police after he threw his bicycle at them. And in related news, two Canadian civil rights groups are now challenging the invocation of the Emergency Act, taking Trudeau's government to court on the grounds that he could have solved the crisis through existing legal tools, and that the criteria for invoking the act of there being a quote-unquote national emergency, have not been met. The litigation director for one of the groups taking Trudeau to court has said, Emergency legislation should not be normalized. The threshold for using the Emergency Act is extremely high and has not been met. The decision to invoke the Emergency Act, which has never been used or interpreted by the courts, is unprecedented. If Parliament authorizes the proclamation of the public order emergency, the courts will be the last defense for the rule of law. While the police have said that the Emergency Act has helped them clear up the protest, it's fairly clear that if this was a blockade done by the left, the already existing legal tools available to the Ottawa police and the Trudeau government would have dealt with them very quickly. 
far more quickly and more severely than it took them in relation to the convoy protest. So, you know, almost three weeks without serious injuries. So, in short, Canada is a land of contrasts. We have a liberal government unnecessarily invoking emergency acts against far-right pilled truckers who then think they're the main character in 1984. All right, so now we're going to be moving on to an interview with Tegan McLean. Travis, tell us about this jokester, this prankster. So, yeah, so first a little bit of background. So uh, I don't think you can really talk about the um, Canadian convoy, at least I don't want to talk about the Canadian convoy, without also talking about the efforts to disrupt their attempts at organizing. And for some left-leading trolls, this has come in the form of the Ram Ranch Resistance. So this is named after a 2012 song, Ram Ranch, which is a uh, pornographic metal song about gay cowboys by Canadian musician Grant McDonald. McDonald has a kind of a thematic through line with some of his songs. Uh, he's also known for the singles Prince Harry's 12-inch cock and You Sure Are Hung. <laughs> yes. Yes. Good. Yeah. <clears throat> Copy. So the Ram Ranch resistance was born out of uh, Canadian counter-protesters who infiltrated convoy chats on the walkie-talkie app Zello. Uh, these counter-protesters blasted the song in these channels as a way of jamming communications. Supporters of the protest, you know, they might be listening to these Zello chats, and they're, they're hearing organizing plans, or perhaps they're even listening to a, a patriotic rendition of O Canada, and then all of a sudden they'll hear this. 18 naked cowboys in the showers at Ram Ranch, big heart throbbing cocks wanting to be sucked, 18 naked cowboys wanting to be fucked. Cowboys in the showers at Ram Ranch on their knees wanting to suck cowboy cocks. Ram Ranch really rocks. <laughs> this goes. Hot, hard, buff cowboys, their cocks throbbing hard. 18 more wild cowboys out in the yard. Big bulging cocks ever so hard. Hey, this is, you know, this is, I mean, Dan... First of all, as 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 a both a musician and a singer, you know, what what do you make of the kind of conjunction of instrumentals here with with the voice? Uh, I love it. It's fresh. <laughs> it's new. It's something Canada needs. Uh, I will be on the panel for the Juno Awards this year, and I will be recommending that uh, Grant McDonald be nominated for in all categories. Yeah, uh, that's assuming that Grant McDonald is the guy I see in this picture in the uh, in the assless jacket. Doesn't matter to me. The song just speaks for itself. It's it's beautiful. Now, uh, one person affiliated with the Ram Ranch resistance is Tegan McLean, who also goes by the name Medic Czar online. He managed to infiltrate Zello Chats in support of the protests in Windsor, Canada. Over the course of a week, he became a trusted moderator and even created his own channel containing over a thousand people. Yes. And in that time, he says that he was able to sow division, create confusion, and convince some of the protesters to leave peacefully. This is all recently reported by Claire Goforth in The Daily Dot. I spoke with Tegan McLean yesterday, and he told me that at, at first he was kind of indifferent to the protests in Windsor, but he says that the protesters crossed the line when they blockaded the Ambassador Bridge. Faith in Begora, the Ambassador Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> they, they started rolling in. They started having the, the slow rolls, which annoyed me, but I wasn't um, displeased. Those were, were fine. And then... Um, then all of a sudden, uh, traffic shut down and uh, not at all uh, get get anywhere down here on church because, because of them. And so 
I started really going back into our Facebook, my Facebook group that I was part of for the last two years. And disclaimer, I, with this Facebook group, uh, Questioning Plague Spreaders of Windsor, Essex, I joined the group when it first, when the pandemic first started and they first started it, but I never said a single thing. Then Monday when the, they stopped all traffic across the bridge and whatnot, um, uh, coming in, I then started seeing them talk, post on about Twitter stuff that there was getting shared, the Zello that was getting shared. Um, so I started seeing that and I started reading into it more. And then I found the whole, the whole rabbit hole of Twitter and the Ram Rams resistance of Twitter. Um, so I didn't really have a side until, until the illegal blockade happened and they, now they just overstayed their welcome. Um, in Windsor, I, I helped get rid of them here in Windsor, uh, Ottawa, they need to go home <laughs> and everywhere else. This is good because he's talking to you while like doing chores in his house. Yeah. Yes, he was uh, out and about. He he was he's a busy man, so I was able to catch him for for a few minutes. Fortunately, this is the true grassroots working class uprising. People doing normal <laughs> shit like chores. Uh. Uh, Tegan told me he became a moderator of a Windsor protester Zello chat by asking to become a moderator repeatedly. <laughs> he says that he even uh, met face to face with one of the de facto leaders of a Windsor protest who was a woman who goes by the name Hot Donna. <laughs> Damn. I went into it on Monday and kind of was just listening and just that was basically what it was. And then they were talking about things and I was watching the trolls do their thing. And then um, I just kept asking to be a moderator um, for like two days straight. I just kept asking to be a moderator. And um, day two, I finally was made a moderator and was privy to more information and then figured out there was a moderator chat and got access to the moderator chat. Um, and then it just kind of went down from there. Was, uh, and I got, I was even face to face with Donna. She was the one who kind of was the, the leader is what, what everyone made her, made her to be um, and whatnot. She was the one doing the negotiation. She was the one, the point person, the point contact person um, it, it, with, with the, the clown boys. Um, and so I was face to face with her and, you know, I was able to, it was quite, quite appalling, um, because there were quite a few screenshots, uh, you know, I posted every now and then in our Facebook group and on Twitter about certain things. And then, um, the one thing I was talking about is Mitch was another moderator in there and he was trying to compare first responders and garbage truck people. And so I kind of like laughed about it on Facebook and I, I posted on Facebook about it and then he messaged me on Zello with a screenshot of what I posted on Facebook but he didn't know that I was that person on Facebook and he was like we have a mole like this person is saying that I tried comparing this and and, and whatnot so it's quite comical because he's like we have to figure this out when I was like yep Mitch you know what we have to figure this out and uh, I think it just kind of fell to death's ears of trying to figure figure it out. So I was cu almost caught a couple times. It was quite it was quite comical. Um, so that so I got sent that, and then after that, I was kind of nervous about going down to to meeting people. But I knew that if I wanted to gain any more trust, I had to show up in person. So I did show up after that, and I knew that once I showed up and nothing happened, um, uh, they had no clue about who I was. 
Taking advantage of hot Donna like that is is wrong. Cruel, <laughs> cruel to hot Donna. So this this chat group, they're they're aware that they're, they're being infiltrated, which made the moderators paranoid, and so they started purging people and uh, <laughs> infighting. And uh, Tegan says that he was able to leverage this paranoia by sowing more division uh, among the moderators and then creating a new uh, Zello channel, which he had total control over. Moderators started going against each other while well, they already were starting to argue with each other. And we, they made a special group with just moderators only. And they ended up, I think it was Wednesday night. They ended up, I woke, yeah, cause I woke up Thursday and they were purging people. It just ended up just blatantly like started removing everyone from the channel because they're like, Oh, we got overran by uh, trolls. And so we just need to start fresh. This one moderator, Chris said that, okay, 24 hours, no contact that no one can know anything. Um, And there's another guy, Ray and Jackie is what they went by too tall is his Zello name. And he wasn't too happy that, what Chris was proposing. So I knew that I could kind of swing Ray. I messaged him and I was like, Hey, I'm not really following Chris. I'm not, he's not, he's not leaving people out of the, out of the loop is not a good thing. It's going to lower morale. Um, people need, people enjoyed having the place to talk and everything. He's like, yeah, you're right. Uh, Chris, Chris isn't in it for the, for the better. He's hardly ever here. Da 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 da. So I, I proposed to Ray, I was like, hey, listen, like, I'll, I'm going to make a new Zello channel and invite everybody again. Uh, so I ended up inviting two dozen people. And then within a matter of 25 minutes after inviting my, the people that I invited, uh, within 25 minutes, it was up to 400 members in the new Zello channel that I owned, that I ran, that I was the owner. And then within an, within, you know, an hour or so, it was up to 2,600 subscribers in there. So... I gained everybody who was in the old um, Zello channel, everyone back. And, and then I finally controlled their communication in, in terms of how they were talking and everything. It's a classic example of left-wing factionalism ruining revolutionary <laughs> potential. Yeah, set up his little Trotskyist uh, booth. Splinter group, yeah. Now, here's a, one of the funny things. So Tegan tells me that he managed to make some of the protesters leave the scene by basically doing a QAnon. He says that he acquired publicly available documents about the Canadian response to terrorism, and he read it to the protesters. But he claimed that these documents were secret, and he acquired them <laughs> through serving in the Canadian Armed Forces. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, Tegan tells me, actually, uh, it is true that he's, he's a result reservist in the Canadian Armed Forces, but he, he didn't require any uh, secret information through this position. I was basically just going off of, like, trying to reason with them. I was telling them, like, don't. And then I had, don't, like, just don't stay. Just leave. It's not worth it. Terrorism charges. I started reading, um, you know, I, I started reasoning documents that were available to the public, but I told them that that were um, confidential and and to privy to certain eyes only so i can't be reading all of this and, and it was from my area commander and military um it was, it was i am in, i am part of the canadian armed forces but i there was no directive sent down i didn't have a conversation with any area commander i was reading a document of the canadian um terrorist response plan um that you could easily find on the department of national defense's website which i literally googled um, 
terrorist response plan uh, Canadian forces or I posted, I searched something like that on Google and um, I found it and I just started reading it. I think it started scaring people, the more reasonable ones uh, that didn't want to script their whole life. Um, so I was able to get a lot of them going. And then a lot of people were messaging me saying, Hey, I'm coming in. I'll be there in like 30 minutes, just coming down. Do we need anything? Do you guys need anything? I was like, they're, I was like, they're going to be storming soon. Um, it's not <laughs> worth it. Just turn around and go home. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. We're, I'm not going to kick around and stay. Uh, we're, we're just going to go home. And I was like, oh, perfect. That worked. So that's how I was able to kind of send them out. A lot of them did leave. I had a lot of them messaging me that were on the line saying, hey, like, listen, like, basically defeated wise and was like, um, if, the, if they start storming, they're going to start coming here first. Like, what, what do you suggest that we do? So I gave my honest suggestion. I was like, honestly, just leave. Like, it's not worth it. Um, and a lot of them all believed me. And I think that was that was part of my success uh, in, in terms of uh, having the control and, and for them to believe what I am. Because then I started having, having other people in there saying, yeah, just listen to Medic. Medic knows what he's talking about. Um, you know, it's not worth it, guys uh like just just it's not worth it and they were like asking like well are you still there i was like god no no i i'm not there anymore like i'm not risking i'm not risking terrorism charges and everything so i think once they realized that even i wasn't there kind of helped helped a lot of them but then you have the more extreme radical ones that are like oh we're there that's no choice telling how how is that a choice telling people not not to be there and whatnot um it's my choice if i want to be there so let people give the choice and i was like you guys have the choice um but this is what's going to happen if you choose the choice to stay and i think a lot i think realism kind of kicked in for a lot of them this is a good Damn, this, good example yeah. of stealing valor for for good you know like because <laughs> on the other side of the protest like in ottawa you've got uh mazaro who's the self-appointed like police liaison and if you look into that guy he's a software programmer who likes to talk about his time in the canadian military uh where presumably he was doing software programming but that has given him <laughs> some kind of authority to speak to the police and spin these sort of q adjacent free man on the land tales of like setting up a provisional government you know yeah i do worry that COINTELPRO pro is like this easy yeah in any group oh man Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah pretty simple so yeah this particular operation lasted just five days uh tegan joined the group on monday and then on friday uh he decided it was time to <laughs> reveal his true intentions with his co-conspirators in the uh, in the new zello channel he had created so in the midst of the chatter of this zello channel uh tegan and his allies revealed that they were not who they appeared to be Here's from a recording of the group during that moment. So does that mean two lanes have to empty out or just one lane has to remain open so traffic can move? So do we have to move off the road or do we just have to leave the one lane open? How, like, how does that work? Hold the line. Amen. <laughs> um, so uh, it's come to my attention that this group has been infiltrated. Um, they set out to have one goal in mind and the goal kind of worked worked its way in the inner circle um and 
it, it actually worked. Didn't actually think it was going to work. It was kind of a little too easy, <laughs> if I'm being quite honest. set up to what I had to do and the cops are coming to hit hard they have all the information they need you guys are welcome Ram Ranch resistance get fucked you sons of bitches Ram Ranch resistance haha <laughs> <laughs> losers Ram Ranch resistance medic that's fucking amazing dude Ram Ranch baby Hey, thanks, boys. Keep on trucking. <laughs> 18 naked cowboys in the showers at Ram Ranch. How does it feel to have the Ram Ranch resistance control your communications? <laughs> have fun dealing with the popo. <laughs> on behalf of my family to yours, you little terrorist fucks, I hope you all rot in prison. Enjoy those rubber bullets, love. Love, ray of sunshine, motherfuckers. Grant us cuffs. Grant us cuffs, you fucks. Fuck all you fascists. Uh, there we go. Wow. The love the love for police and the hatred for fascism yeah. goes on. Mm. Kind of a tricky one. Sort of. <laughs> so, Tegan also told me he was attempting to do uh, the same sort of infiltration op for the protest in uh, Ottawa, but um, they they appear to have better security, better better opsec over that that particular uh, Zello channel. Mm -hmm. They're missing out on a specific number of dicks, <laughs> <laughs> specifically cowboy dicks too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, I also want to talk a bit about the uh, crowdfunding efforts for these protests. So, you know, an occupation of a couple cities requires resources. People need food, other supplies. And so in order to raise funds, the organizers first had the bright idea to raise money with the help of GoFundMe. The GoFundMe page, Freedom Convoy 2022, managed to raise about $10 million Canadian, with $1 million released to the organizers. However, the remainder of the money was locked up. In the statement, GoFundMe said that the demonstrations were peaceful when the fundraiser first started, but had since violated their terms of service, uh, prohibiting the promotion of violence and harassment. GoFundMe initially said it would give supporters uh, of, the, of the defunct campaign until February 19th to request refunds, and also said it would direct any remaining donations to, quote, credible and established charities chosen by the Freedom Convoy 2022 organizers and verified by GoFundMe. But the company later reversed course, saying it would automatically refund uh, people who donated to the campaign. This reversal was probably instigated by the fact that several states announced their intention to investigate GoFundMe as a consequence of this. 
Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton said that his office would investigate GoFundMe for blocking and withholding donations made through the platform. He claimed that removing the campaign from its site could violate the state's Deceptive Trade Practices Act. Mm-hmm. Florida, Missouri, and West Virginia uh, also said that they would probe GoFundMe's handling of the Freedom Convoy campaign. It's very, very strange. I mean, all these people are getting their money back, basically. But like all these uh, attorneys general from, you know, Red State specifically, uh, trying to crack down. I don't know. I think it's more saber rattling and sort of signaling to people that, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're fighting back against, you know, big tech censorship. Since that didn't work, the organizers of the protest instead turned to the alternate uh, crowdfunding platform, Give, Send, Go. If you're not familiar with Give, Send, Go, it's Christian GoFundMe. Mm. <laughs> the site was founded in 2015 and was originally targeted towards uh, missionaries and missionary work, but it quickly became the go-to platform for crowdsourcing efforts that were too extreme for GoFundMe. Here's how Give, Send, Go co-founder Heather Wells described the original intention of the website in a recent interview. Sure. So Give, Send, Go was started about seven years ago with uh, my brother Jacob, my sister Emily, and I. Um, we're three of 12 siblings. And so we were all sitting around <laughs> talking about are. what it would look like um, if the church <laughs> actually did what the church was supposed to do. Like where when there's a need, everybody comes together and help. And we saw GoFundMe becoming a thing where, you know, people are starting to crowdfund. You're starting to see some of these uh, donation platforms come through. And we said, that's awesome. Like people are coming together to meet people's needs. That's what we should be doing. But as Christians, we understand that money only meets the material needs. What if we were to build a crowdfunding right. platform mm-hmm. that didn't just meet the material needs, which are our needs, like actual needs that people have. What if we had it where we, we allow people to crowdfund, raise money, all the while while we shared the hope that we found in Jesus with people? Because a lot of times they're in pretty hopeless situations. So wait, could, can you donate thoughts and prayers? Like, As a matter of fact, <laughs> uh, campaigns actually have a, um, a, a pray pray now button and they actually said <laughs> click the pray now button to let the yes. campaign owner know or know you are praying for them yep yeah i'm just happy there's a crowdfunding platform that i can use to support my um new multimedia project ted kaczynski 2 <laughs> <laughs> big things coming. yeah now, at first, uh, everything seems to be going swimmingly with the crowdfunding on Give, Send, Go. Um, they, I mean, they openly declared their support for the protest and said that it processed more than $4.5 million in donations for the so-called Freedom Convoy protesters during its first day of the company hosting the campaign. However, since then, uh, the company has suffered a series of security lapses, hacks, and leaks, the first of which was reported by TechCrunch. That outlet reported that a security researcher found an exposed Amazon-hosted S3 bucket containing over 50 gigabytes of files, including passports (laughs) and driver's license that were uh, collected during the donation process. Bad OPSEC. Terrible stuff. Yeah. They appeared to fix the problem, but just a few days later, on February 10th, the journalistic collective DDoS Secrets obtained files that the site failed to secure. This was filed by uh, another hack a few days after that on February 13th. A hacker managed to redirect the Give, Send, Go website to the domain givesendgone.wtf. <laughs> so there, wow. pr- pr- probably bewildered visitors, they could see a message that said, Give, Send, Go is now frozen. And the page included a video from the Disney film Frozen, 
which include a scrolling manifesto condemning the website and the Canadian convoy. So the message started by saying this. Attention, give, send, go, grifters and hatriots. The Canadian government has informed you that the money you assholes raised to fund an insurrection is frozen. TD Bank has frozen several accounts. You helped fund the January 6th insurrection in the U.S. You helped fund an insurrection in Ottawa. In fact, you are committed to funding anything that keeps the raging fire of misinformation going until it burns the world's collective democracies down. On behalf of sane people worldwide who wish to continue living in a democracy, I am telling you that Give, Send, Go itself is frozen. This is so cursed, man. The epic bacon, like, citizens, lib army is now (laughs) representing the state in every possible way. We're going to freeze your bank accounts. Have fun with the rubber bullets. I know. It's You freaking hatriots. Just as an aside, this is all very funny to me because on on my podcast on Bottleman, we've been tracking um, Canadian, like, quote-unquote, disinformation experts, journalists, uh, of which there are just, like, a small handful who who are kind of have outsized representation in Canadian media and are responsible for brain poisoning people like my dad, who I have to deprogram once every three months, you know? And for the last few years, it's been nonstop uh, articles about how China is uh, undermining our democracy through cyber attacks, how Russia is undermining our democracy through cyber attacks. And it's just funny to read this where there's essentially like a cyber civil war going on. Not to mention the fact that like American uh, or political or post mega political organizations are directly trying to influence Canadian democracy here. Like, yeah. Does it feel good, Canada? We're reaching our hands deep inside. I don't like it. <laughs> no, I, I don't like it. And where where were these dis- disinformation experts? You know, like where were where are our brave cyber soldiers? They they missed it. So the the trolling hack and redirection was, I guess, fine, but like much more concerning, at least for the uh, for the people who use the site and the site itself, was the fact that a file containing information of, uh, of about ninety three thousand donors to the protests was leaked. And this data includes names, email addresses, IP addresses, and donation amount. Oh, since then, they've dumped the entire database. So now it's literally every single donation made on that platform until February of this year. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So they are (laughs) thoroughly hacked. Uh. But uh, the file about the uh, donors to the uh, protest campaign, uh, that, that file actually... I mean, it revealed a lot of information about, like, what kind of people were sort of uh, donating. And, you know, interestingly, the majority of donors are Americans. 56% mm. of the donations came from the U.S. Yes. Well, only 29% <laughs> came from Canada. So, you know. Sparking incredible. the conservative movement. Could, I guess. We, could we get an American popular vote on whether Trudeau should be hung? Well, I know. I think maybe yeah. uh, critical support to Trudeau as he resists yeah. <laughs> this American imperialist uh, attempt. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so clearly a color revolution by... Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's Canadian Maidan. <laughs> Here's the other interesting fact is that <laughs> despite the fact that Americans were um, the uh, uh, majority of the protesters, uh, on average, the Canadian donors were more generous. The U.S.-based donations <laughs> totaled $3.6 million, while as the Canadians donated $4.3 million. Yeah, that makes sense. I wonder if people like saving their Serb money and donating. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, ju- they're, just like, they're just like, I'm lending this to my cousin Terry. <laughs> Now, I feel like I should mention that this is not the only um, uh, foreign meddling involved here. Um, There was certainly a great deal of organic support for the uh, protests. 
It has also benefited from some astroturfing and uh, overseas amplification. Reports from NBC News and Grid News found that content mills ran out of Vietnam, Bangladesh, Romania, and other countries set up Facebook pages to promote the so-called Freedom Convoy. But isn't this just like hiring Fiverr to like get yourself more followers? Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like there's, there's, it might be um, sort of just cheap sort of way to like get this, get this operation running. But still there's yeah. this level of like secrecy there where we don't know, you mm. know, exactly who's involved in, in sort of these efforts to set up these campaigns. In fact, uh, was it, there was a like, grid found that the uh, Bangladeshi digital marketing firm was behind two of the largest Facebook groups related to the Canadian Freedom Convoy. So, you know, uh, obviously it might be just uh, someone who was organizing it, who wanted like, you know, a cheap way to sort of get the ground running for their social media campaign. Um, but again, there's this level of secrecy there that sort of raises questions. I'm just like, I'm just like really doubting that there's a, a Vietnamese, Bangladeshi and Romanian uh, kind of secret ops kind of run on fucking Canada for the Freedom Convoy. Uh, like, what is the political purpose there? Mm. Uh, to bring back uh, communism. <laughs> Maybe. That's true. By taking down the communist Justin Trudeau, the Trotskyist Justin Trudeau. <laughs> Castro. It's all communist infighting. That's my new theory, that it's it's mm-hmm. all like inter-communist infighting. Mm-hmm. Trudeau is a Trotskyist wrecker, and Vietnam, Bangladesh, Romanian... In oh, Vietnam, <laughs> Bangladesh, and Romania are principled Stalinists. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Also interesting was that the the data from the leak shows that some of the donors are government employees in the U.S. About a dozen donors use .gov email addresses in association with their donations. Oh, you fucking morons. I know. These include counts from the U.S. Department of Justice, the Department of Homeland Security, NASA... And uh, the Federal Bureau of Prisons. So, uh, see, there, there is it. All these institutions have been infiltrated by people who can't set up a dummy account to donate to like the truckers. I think it's more like NASA wants to set up like a Baikonur style like space platform in Saskatchewan mm. or something. That's their that's their end game here. <laughs> the data also contained one Canadian government email address. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! To be that guy. Yeah. Ugh. The data leak also included comments left by the uh, donors, and um, when you search through the document, you'll find that uh, QAnon rallying cry, uh, where we go one, we go all, appears over 90 times in the, in the comments. <laughs> so, and I noticed there was also three donors who left a mention of Q sent me. So Nice. I mean, Q would be posting about this. It, this is kind of a time where Q would shine. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, we miss... We no, we don't. Them. No, we don't, Julian. We, we <laughs> Travis, don't miss. Travis sometimes calls me late at night and says, I know. Uh, what I would do for just one more drop, you know? This is not criticism we've received. I don't know why Q stopped posting, Travis, but man, Travis, God, I'm grateful for Travis, it. Travis, it's sad, and and our podcast is going down the shitter because <laughs> Q can't do yeah. his fucking yeah, job. Yeah, we're really starving for material, and then we're trying exploring far-right conspiracism. In a world where everything has, everyone has everything figured out and nothing could possibly go wrong, where is the place of QAnon Anonymous podcast? The best part is writing Q sent me, like, that makes me think that there's a JPEG of, like, a fake Q drop passing around, which is just as credible. Like, who cares whether it's really from Q at this point? Everyone knows to meme. Everyone knows. Nope. Like Liv mentioned, there have been sort of uh, sort of repeat uh, or I guess copycat convoys uh, like all over the world, but not 
quite yet here in the U.S. So I think the big question is, when is it coming home? Because this is something that caused a lot of disruption. It was uh, relatively successful and that caused it caused pain for people who were in positions of authority. So obviously the far right here in the U.S. is going to want to copy it. So there are a few organizations who are scrambling, and it's kind of a jump ball at the moment. There are, there are a few people who are trying to figure out uh, uh, how to organize a convoy. But the one that seems to have their shit together the best is called the People's Convoy. And uh, on Newsmax, People's Convoy co-organizer Brian Brace announced his intention to assemble a convoy in Barstow, California on February 23rd, which would then drive all the way to Washington, D.C. Mm. Got to start in California to gas up, you know? That's right. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, actually, I'm super happy to announce on your show, first time here, uh, dropping, the, dropping the, the start date here. So officially, this is from the top. This is what's happening. We will be launching our convoy February 23rd, Wednesday, February 23rd, beginning in the Barstow <laughs> area. Um, routes will be uh, announced within the week exactly. Um, but uh, we are launching February 23rd out of the Barstow, California area, and we will be marching our way east. The best way to do anti-state action is to tell everyone on a big news channel exactly where you're going to be and when and what you're doing. It's like he's announcing yeah. like a season of his show that he's on. Yeah, big drop. It's so the cops can gather to clap. <laughs> Something that I found interesting about this as well is like I feel like Canada is a lot more like it's more east to west. Why, yeah, why all, the, I... all the all the major cities are are within like a very short distance of of the American border, right? Like Canada is a huge country where the population is just massed on the U.S. border, essentially. So. Yeah, like you can start on the west and then just drive east and you hit all of the cities. Yeah, I know that. I know this from fucking touring Canada, which sucks. <laughs> Yeah, sure. The uh, the uh, the Canadian cities are like little piglets, uh, and they're all pressed to the to the teats of this giant <laughs> yeah. sow, America. Yeah. Yeah. They're all suckling at the at the great yes. Satan. They had to shut down exactly one street, the one that goes through all of Canada. The Trans Canada Highway. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see where their route is and where they're they're trying to cover, because yeah. surely you can't drive across all of American cities. No. Yeah. But I, I do, like, everywhere I check, uh, people are stoked about this thing. And it's basically taken the place. It's combined with the VAC stuff, obviously, and it's kind of based around the VAC stuff. But it's kind of, it just, like, people are renaming their groups. Like, there used to be MAGA groups, used to be a QAnon group, but now it's, like, trucker. We're all truckers now. No, you know, yeah, this is kind of, like, an interesting sort of development. You're right. It was, like, there were, like, you know, you know super pro-Trump MAGA pages, QAnon pages. They turned into Stop the Steal pages. And then they yeah. sort of they sort of converted now to Freedom Convoy pages. And now it's just it's really not about like any one specific thing. It's just a network that sort of is designed to like, you know, coalesce around whatever issue was causing the most pain for whatever is uh, the hot new thing. They're like the Borg mm -hmm. hive mind. Yeah, I mean, you see a similar thing in the uh, sort of anti-imperialist post-left. Certain slice of that demographic is is uh, whether cynically or they've done self-hypnotism into thinking this is uh, some kind of working-class uprising. They're they're promoting this as well, and yeah, in their case, I think it's either just straight grift uh, or or just self-hypnosis because it it's so incomprehensible that you would be able to get your hands on the levers of power and change anything, you know, any sort of action seems exciting. Yeah. 
The People's Convoy is backed by Freedom Fighter Nation, which is a far-right conspiracy group led by lawyer Leigh Dundas. Uh, Dundas is a uh, repeat speaker at the Q-adjacent Reawaken America Tour, which is also frequently uh, host um, Michael Flynn. Dundas is also an associate of QAnon promoter Scott McKay, a.k.a. Patriot Street Fighter. In a live stream from McKay, he claimed that the People's Convoy is being organized by war planners from the Pentagon. He also said the convoy is part of a war against the cabal powers. They have logistics team provided by high-ranking retired war planners from the Pentagon. This is a serious operation, this convoy. They have they've planned for fuel along the way. When these, these uh, truck stops may get jammed up, they've got tankers running along. It's kind of almost like Mad Max. Tankers with fuel running along. Um, trucks, shower trucks coming along, security, et cetera. This is a big operation. It is being funded, and uh, the manage- management of these funds are being held by an exemplar financial overseen by lawyers and accountants and kept in private banks to af- avoid the government criminals from freezing these accounts or seizing the money. They're accepting crypto. they got a pretty good infrastructure growing for this trucker's convoy that's ready to make its move. The exciting thing about it is we are seeing people of all uh, socioeconomic demographics coming together to fight this war, to fight this criminal regime, the cabal powers, the Republicans, the Democrats, and I include Republicans in there because they've sat by and they've watched this shit go on for decades. It's it's interesting to me that he mentions Mad Max because um, <laughs> yeah, in you know you know there is a, a finite timeline where America and the American public got um, absolutely seduced by the idea of the trucker as like the new American cowboy. With the beginning being 1973, independent truckers protesting against uh, fuel restrictions and and a speed limit restriction brought on by uh, the Yom Kippur War and OPEC essentially saying. You know, we have entered into a new paradigm. We're running the shots now. And then the end point of it being 1979 with the Iranian Revolution and more independent trucker protests that led to uh, several murders and the public being exhausted. And I think you can look at two pieces of media. There's the positive end at the start of this in 1973-74 with like Smokey and the Bandit and the Sam Peckinpah movie Convoy. And then at the very end with, of course, Mad Max. Where you know mm-hmm. this the convoy mutates into a post-apocalyptic uh, sort of like horde. Yes, and Mad Max. You know, a reminder in the first one is a fucking cop, like literally in a cop <laughs> uniform, <laughs> you know, going around making sure these damn convoys, these these damn rednecks, get the uh, the liberal rubber bullet to the face. That's baby. right. That's right, man. So they're taking off from uh, Barstow, California. Unfortunately, that's pretty close to me. I'm sorry, man. Travis doesn't mean anything by that. Uh, he would be smarter than doing OPSEC in this manner. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was fantastic, folks. What a fun ride. I have a feeling this is not going to be the last trucker episode. Far from it. I have a feeling this is just a new meme, basically, that the people are going to continue to manifest. Um, I'm all for it. And yes, Canada, finally, you've innovated. You finally are the actual tip of the spear of a movement. How does it feel? It feels great. It feels amazing, right? <laughs> like, not only have we spent two or three weeks on the world stage, we uh, just announced that we're spending another $500 million in Ukraine, um, some of which uh, $7.8 million is going to lethal aid. So yeah. uh, Canada has arrived. <laughs>
The 2020s are going to be the Canadian decade. It's the Canadian century. It's the Canadian century. Get used to it. <laughs> Dan, tell us where people can find you and also your podcast and also all the damn good music. Uh, people can find me on the stage where I will be playing rock and roll music or um, uh, synth pop sometimes in uh, my many bands, including Wolf Parade and Operators. Uh, if you're interested in that music, I have a Patreon with my partner, Devoika, where we uh, put up one to three songs a month and sometimes watch movies uh, in a nice, friendly Discord channel. Um, so there's that. It's uh, Biblioteca. Patreon. And then uh, I have a podcast called The Bottleman where we talk about uh, Ukraine and force uh, American podcasters to watch shit like Heartland or Corner Gas and make them read <laughs> uh, extremely disturbing fan fiction about those shows. That's me. Go check it out, folks. And Liv, you also have a podcast, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, just search Liv Agar on whichever podcast hosting site you use. Also, the Patreon on patreon.com slash Liv Agar. And I stream on Twitch, also at Liv Agar. Go check it out, folks. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and sub for five bucks a month. You'll get a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes. And when you do that, you help us stay advertising free and editorially independent. We also have a website, QAnonAnonymous.com, for anything else you need. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto cue. Hi, can I get a, a large chocolate shake? Uh, make that two of them. And a large fry. A large french fries. And can I get a Trudeau special? Can I get a Trudeau special? Get a what? A Justin Trudeau special. Justin Trudeau special? Yeah, I make chicken. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Anything else? Yeah, no, that's it, buddy. You want the Trudeau's special as a combo? Or? Yeah, I'll take the Trudeau special as a combo. Yes, please, with a large Pepsi. With a large Pepsi. <laughs> that's everything? That's it, bud. The second one. Thanks. Thanks.